Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Latch Mama podcast. Melissa here. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, the Latch Mama podcast is a podcast for the mothers and parents in the trenches of motherhood. Um, We are doing episode two of our latest series where we are going over some of our favorite affirmations about motherhood. If affirmations make you feel woo-woo, they do me as well. Um, But I think that there's a lot to learn. You're listening to Latch Mama Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Wirt, busy mom of six and owner of LatchMama.com. Join us each week as we talk about pregnancy, breastfeeding, postpartum, and all things motherhood. So once upon a time, (laughs) last Mother's Day, we had a uh, good enough mama kind of thing that we did um, really to kind of hit home the fact that just showing up um, is really sometimes all your kids need. Um, and we made a water bottle and then we took our water bottle that was a hit and we made it into a coloring book and a blanket. So the way this whole thing works is listen to this series, um, and subscribe and like, or something. I don't know. Share, um, share, share why you love the podcast. Share why you love the podcast. And tag us. Um, and tag us in it. And then send us a screenshot to podcast at latchmama.com that you did that. Um, and we are going to send out 100 blankets per episode. Yeah. Um, so first come, first serve. We're going to try and make sure everybody gets a blanket if we can because we have some extras too. Yeah. Um, but we really just kind of wanted to highlight some of the affirmations. Um, you know, as I said on the first um, episode of the series. Um, this is more or less just kind of getting a little snapshot into Lindy and I's relationship and some of the stuff we talk about and some of the deep dives we kind of go into and, you know, some of the places that we've struggled over the years in terms of our own motherhood journeys. And I don't know. Kind yeah. Of, we're kind of kinda, tying, tying them into, yeah. Kind of hit the you guys journey. with a little bit more vulnerability maybe than we normally do. Um, and just kind of, I don't know, make yeah. you guys feel less alone. Kind of the the goal of the podcast. I feel like we all need that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So what's on the list today? All right. Lindy? So hold on. So last week we kind of were, were, why don't you tell them about the journey you're taking us on, Lindy? I am taking you on a motherhood. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> just preface. We are just full on chaos here. So, um, but we're trying to take all our affirmations and I was like, let's kind of start like pre-pregnancy or even pregnancy and slowly tie these in as you go along your motherhood journey. So um, they're all kind of interconnected. I'm sure we'll bring them up here then, but we're trying. We were going to try to stay on topic with three affirmations um, per episode, kind of per episode and tie them into your journey. Um, So today we're going to cover three. Um, First one we're going to do is my worth cannot be measured in ounces or clothing. So let's picture that media postpartum. Mm-hmm. vibe Gosh. which is a little scary um i think so, we can tie in so many different yeah. things with this one i don't know it's so hard because i well like when i think about like my postpartum struggles and where i have felt myself the most anxious it's in those like immediate like weigh-ins after you have a baby like the whole are they gaining weight am i producing enough milk should i supplement like, what does that look like? I I think, like, first baby, I feel like there's always some of that. Second, third, fourth, we're all completely fine. Weight did exactly what it needed to do. Fifth, no. Sorry, first, second, 
third, I don't even know, Benjamin, whatever number Benjamin is. Mm-hmm. I think he's four. Um, we had a new pediatrician, and that was the first time anybody had really gotten on me in terms of weight gain. And it's interesting because he didn't get on me as much as the latest pediatrician did who I brought in so I didn't have to go through that experience again. It's just it's just such an interesting thing because it's their job and it's so incredibly important. And I think the brain growth and just mm-hmm. making sure the baby's gaining weight and making yeah. sure the milk's coming in. But I don't think anything has brought me, and I'm going to use this term and I'm probably going to get in trouble for it, but like to crazy town, to that like, oh my gosh, I'm an unfit mother. My breasts don't work. What am I supposed to do place? Mm-hmm. Like I was brought last baby. Like it was terrible. It was so terrible. But that's so much ties in with even what we talked about last time about my body mm-hmm. supposed to do this. Yeah. And then it doesn't necessarily go the way that either we're used to. Yeah. Um, from a previous kid or what it's supposed to do and now how that Mm -hmm. affects your worth and how that affects your daily like just mental place and and it's really and I watched you through that and that was really really difficult it was terrible because it's like I also know a whole lot and I'm like well no we did skin to skin his birth was amazing he came out in the bathtub at home like he basically came out in the call like i mean he was it it was the perfect birth but yet he's not gaining weight i'm trying so hard i can't do anything more that i'm doing i'm eating Mm -hmm. every single supplement that i know is probably not going to work but it's the only way i can try and control this process Mm -hmm. and like what am i supposed to do and then lindy would show up and she'd be like hey it's going to be a really really rough six weeks or something but you're going to be okay and you're going to get through it and it was just i mean anytime thinking about the immediate postpartum makes me want to vomit but like just Mm -hmm. thinking about it then and like i don't eat after i have a baby so i'm sure that had something to do with it oh gosh i don't know for any of you guys that are in the trenches or remember moments like that i don't know i think i'm supposed to feel it again but it's terrible yeah then I feel like it leads into that whole kind of nursing and pumping and like I've done like some of all of it, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but that whole kind of, you don't necessarily, and we go like just yeah. literal, you don't necessarily get a really good idea of what you're producing with an output on a pump. So when yeah. we talk about like your uh-huh. worth is not measured in that, mm-hmm. that's a little bit of what we're getting at. But mm-hmm. it's really difficult and it's difficult to accept sometimes that things can look a little bit different yeah. and you can you can use a pump for a little bit and then you can kind yeah. of go back to another thing. But but when you're in that and, and what that does to your brain, and it, it's and just it's crazy because like right now I can say, hey, my milk output, because I'm in a much healthier place, we ended mm-hmm. up bringing on donor milk and have an amazing relationship with somebody who like I never would have had in my life. And she's great. And we like meet in a parking lot and we have these like beautiful hugs and she sends me pictures of her baby <laughs> and Matthew has grown up on her milk. And it's just it's this beautiful, beautiful thing. And I can look at it from a brain of somebody who is a year postpartum and I know that there was nothing about my worth that was tied up and how much milk I was making and whether I was a good mother. But in those moments, I wasn't a good enough mother for my son. And that is truly what my brain was telling me. And I, I it's fine and I we're good and everything's fine, but it's just, I want to just wrap my arms around every mother who has ever felt that way 
because for the most part it passes and it's okay. But I couldn't even talk about it. Like I couldn't, I don't even think I talked to my therapist about it. I think at some point I kind of like, cause I don't cry during therapy. Um, there, there was this moment where like, I like kind of like, never, uh, I cried. It reminds me of I, the holiday, which is one of my favorite uh-huh. movies. And she's like trying to cry. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, no. I cried. I got a little choked up. Um, when I had the surprise pregnancy, but it was also because I was, I, I frustrate, I cry when I get frustrated. I don't normally cry when I get, when I'm sad, but I was frustrated with how she was reacting to it. Cause she wasn't giving me what I needed. And I was really angry. Um, I cried this week during my emergency. Um, people are being mean about me on the internet session, but I didn't like cry, cry, but I was also sick. So I give myself some credit there. Um, but no, I don't, I don't cry. But anyways, I remember just saying like, who I'm, I, I'm an imposter. Like I'm running this breastfeeding company. I have my CLC and I can't make enough milk for my baby. Like I just remember being in this like really, really struggling place was not crying, but I was really frustrated and sad in that moment. But it doesn't matter. And like, I just talked Scout through it. And like, it's so funny because she was like our nanny and then she worked at Latch Mama and she's just this beautiful human being who I look at and I love, like she's a little sister to me. And I just look at her and I think she's gorgeous and so capable and like just one of these amazing human beings that who was in my life and never in a million years, I was like, Scout, go get formula. Like, it's fine. Like this will pass. You have done every single thing in your power to, to get this baby more food. You are pumping. You are getting right. up in the middle of the night. I know what that feels like because I did it and it was miserable. Like, mm-hmm. take a deep breath. Do not let this affect your first few right. weeks or months with your child. Just do what right. you need to do. Let it go. But it's yeah. so much easier to say that to somebody than it is when you're actually in the moment. Yeah, it totally is. Okay, let's go to the other part of that as well as like your worth's not measured in clothing sizes too. So like yeah, that whole like I felt like my head was on an alien body post baby. Yeah. <laughs> and I know yeah. we can go in like multiple directions. Like felt like gigantic bowling balls on my chest. Mm-hmm. Did not know what to yeah. expect. I couldn't fit into anything. What do I wear now? Yeah. Like... That That pressure on bodies. And then I feel like you can chime in with kind Mm -hmm. of like how, how latched mama got started. Yeah. Too. So I wasn't prepared for the fact that like your boobs get bigger, but there weren't a lot of shirts that were designed like for all of them up until the last one, I lost my baby weight or I don't even want to use that term. I lost the weight from the pregnancy pretty quickly. Like I didn't, I carried it other places, but for the most part, my, my stomach went down relatively quickly. I just always been something that has been about me, but my breasts were bigger and I couldn't find a shirt that was long enough. That was my problem is like not 10 years ago, 11 years ago, after Mm -hmm. I had my baby, I couldn't buy a shirt that was long enough. Yeah. And I didn't know what I was doing wrong. Mm-hmm. And I would go to Old Navy and I would be like pulling the shirts down. And yeah. like, 
I mean, it's part of it's being 5'10". Yeah. But part of it is like my breast grew, but I don't really want a maternity shirt anymore. My maternity shirts were long enough, but I didn't want to wear maternity clothes. Yeah. That's all I could do. That, that was my only choice being so tall. Like I had to wear the maternity tanks and then I would throw something else on top of it. And it's just trying. <laughs> it's just like, why don't we tell women this? Because then they want to go out and they want to be like normal and they want to feel like their life is not like dramatically changed. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing in their closet they can put on because they probably can't get their breasts out. But even if they didn't care about getting their breasts out, mm-hmm. they, they don't have anything that doesn't, doesn't fit them anymore because their body's changed. Yeah. I don't know. I it's don't. fascinating. This last pregnancy was the first one that I looked at a picture of myself after I had the baby. Like not like right after I had the baby, but like January. He was born in October and it was probably January. And I remember looking at a picture and saying, Wow. Like that is was by far the heaviest I've ever been in my life. And um for me it wasn't mm, Maybe it was. I don't know. I probably have some work to do there. It wasn't like the I don't look pretty. It was more of a I don't feel good. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think that that's like the differentiation between the two is like you don't feel I, I didn't feel physically good. I was getting up. I didn't have any clothes to wear. I was groggy. I was dragging. Mm -hmm. Um and I also realized that after every single pregnancy, I had a very, very large sugar addiction. And I really mm-hmm. leaned into it and I really did a lot of work there. Um, once again, did not talk about it or cry about it in therapy. But I definitely um, tried to figure out why I was grabbing the sugar, like what yeah. it was that it was doing. Yeah. I think it's interesting to look back, you know, after my first, it was like, maybe some pressure or whatnot. I mean, I've got some issues as far as like growing up and performance and looks and eating and all of that stuff. But I look back and, you know, it's like, oh, well, this is, this is kind of what you do. And I had that pressure to do that. And then I feel like as I had more kids, I'd be able to look at it just with more of a, it's more healthy outlook on it. Mm-hmm. And kind of like, this is like, it is okay at this stage and it is totally fine to, you know, for me, I was like, put my child first. Not that people don't, but I was fine to wait for me, like mm-hmm. to really commit to me to a little bit later. And mm-hmm. I was totally okay to be in those moments, in those months. And as that mm-hmm. balance would kind of yep. shift a little bit for my journey, nobody yep. else, not speaking for anybody else. Um, but the more kids I had, I would be in a better place about it. I would yeah. be okay. And I would be happy um, with what my body was doing at that time. Mm-hmm. And the process. And so like that helped me, but that came with a mental and emotional growth, like with each pregnancy and it takes time. But I think just speaking to clothes, like wear what's comfortable, wear what Mm -hmm. makes you feel good. You want to rock the maternity jeans, like one, two years postpartum, do it. Yeah. But I I also think we need to be careful. Like the shame comes from both sides in motherhood. Like Mm -hmm. you need, we need to be careful of the person who wants to go move their body at six weeks after their doctor's appointment and says they can do it, do it. Go move your body. Yep, absolutely. Go, go do what you want to do. Those people who don't want to, and that's that's, that's fine okay. too. And I think that that's where we kind of run into things in, in motherhood is that mm-hmm. we're all coming to the table with different stories and different pasts and different things that make us feel good and, right. and different coping strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, 
when it's warm outside, my mental health coping strategy is to move my body. When it's cold outside, my mental <laughs> my mental uh, coping strategy is Wawa coffee and reading a book. And, yeah. you know, I, I think that we just I, – I always know that moving my body is going to be the way that I feel better. Do I choose yeah. to do it when I'm cold? No. Yeah. And that is something that I will work on. Yeah. But at the same time, that doesn't have to be somebody else's coping strategy. Yeah. That doesn't. Wait, have to we be... come back to the you do you. Yeah, you do you. You do and what is good for you. Yeah, and yeah. everybody is beautiful. Everybody Absolutely. is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, agree. Yeah, that's great. Okay, what's the next um, one? Next one. Um, let's go. We can go back into like it's okay to ask for help, and I think we just started touching on it. Yeah. Um, the podcast the before. Yeah. So this is a hard one. And I would yeah, like I've, to say that I'm really good at it now. And I think in some ways I am. I think there are some places that I definitely can ask for more help. I'm um, still not very good at it. No, you're not. But I love <laughs> you. What? Seriously, You though, know what I I've mean, realized one of the biggest things for me is, is when... Let's just say, let's just say rides or something for kids. Okay. Uh-huh. It's a random example. And this person wants to help and this person. Will. What does it add? It, you it tell adds me. so much you mental tell me. energy and communication. Thank you. Yes. No, I, I'm That not. is where I struggle. It's like, well, have you checked in with the, is dad fine to come and get it? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I would rather just run back from this one and take him because it's one less thing that I need to communicate and do. But should I be embracing that communication and that work and... I don't know. So yeah, no, it's so hard. It's like really hard. I had this moment after this last baby was born where it was the pandemic. We had moved to the farm. We had made some pretty substantial decisions as a family to separate ourselves from our community. But at the same time, I was working on these parts of me that are barriers to connection. And I was working on trying to create it. So I was in this really, really weird spot and COVID was still going on. And like I wanted the community and the connection, but I didn't want the community and the connection. And it was just this very weird thing that I'm sure will be written about in the book because I don't quite have my my head around it yet. But I remember my midwife saying, she's like, do you want a meal train? And my, I had this visceral reaction to a meal train. <laughs> Absolutely, I do not want a meal train. I do not <laughs> want people posting about me on the internet. I do not want people driving out here and dropping off food. I don't want them dropping it at Latch Mama. I just, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't want people's stuff. I don't want their food. I have plenty of privilege. I can pay for food myself. And I am still struggling to why that was the right answer because I can tell you I showed up in therapy a few hours later and talked about how lonely I was. So somebody go figure that one out. If somebody wants to digest that, somebody wants to help me with why that happens in my brain and I'm sure other people's brain, that would be great. Because you can't talk about how lonely you are and turn down something that somebody offers to do. Yeah. Like... You can't have it both ways. Are we are we just afraid? Is there a fear of what comes with that? Like 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 what I said. It's I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, and I, I it's, it's I had I had had people drop off food for previous pregnancies. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, and I don't think that we probably need to sit in silence and figure <laughs> it out here. I'll save that for another time in my life. But yeah. I think that there's something that is inherently vulnerable in asking for help. And I think that sometimes 
like we said earlier or in the past last episode or something about there's such a big difference between door dashing dinner and having somebody come drop it off at your house, which is now a very common thing across the country post COVID Mm -hmm. and literally having somebody else make you a meal. And I don't think it was the idea that I felt like a burden to somebody. I just think it's the idea that somebody cares and is there reciprocity, reciprocity or whatever for me to care Mm -hmm. back and do I need to show up? And like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Do you have thoughts on the whole? But you're right. Maybe it is the mental work thing. Like, because if somebody shows up with dinner, do I need to talk to them? Do I need to greet them at the door? Do I need to let them come in and hold the baby? And I don't mm-hmm. want to talk to anybody. And I don't want anybody to hold the baby because I'm not making enough milk. And I feel terrible about myself. And I'm in this shame spiral anyways that I can't talk about because I, I own a nursing wear company and I'm a CLC and I should be making enough milk, but you dropped off dinner and should I be sitting with you telling you how beautiful motherhood is and how great I feel. And here I I am surrounded with all this privilege. So who on earth am I to tell you that life is hard right now? There Mm -hmm. you go. That's probably the answer. I probably worked myself to that point where like, and I know it's all on me. Like it's not, it's hundred percent self-work. It's nobody else. It's, it's, it's back to me. And I, Remember after the twins and then I had the emergency surgery, I literally physically couldn't do it. I had no choice, mm-hmm. you know, but I think when I am physically capable, regardless of whether I should or shouldn't ask for help, I, I just have this expectation on myself that like I, I, I should and could do it, you know, and like that I should, well, I can get him there. I shouldn't ask for help or I shouldn't lighten my load because I can physically do it. But you realize you are worthy of that help. Yes. Oh, I know I am. And we even have these conversations and I'll even preface it to my husband. Be like, I know, I I know I shouldn't feel like this or I shouldn't do this. But but this is what's in my brain. Why are we in this this shouldn't spot? I don't know. But that's just something I struggle with. I respect that you struggle with that. (laughs) Because I think I struggle with it too. But it's just, it's... I don't know. We're all destined to like this bizarre anti-village stuff and motherhood. Yeah. And I I think with... Would you accept younger- help from me? I mean, I've offered to like pick the kids up from the bus or something before, but you always say no. Yes, but I'm not going to put that... On. You have six kids in It your doesn't own- matter. <clears throat> if, I, if I didn't have it in my bandwidth, I wouldn't be offering No, but it. I think that's where I go is what yes you offered and i know it's completely genuine and you absolutely would do it but i don't ever want to burden somebody else but it's really weird maybe that is their love language maybe acts of service are something that they want to do for you mm -hmm. i don't know i agree like i mean i think that i think there are people who literally their joy comes from making somebody else a meal or their joy comes from showing up for somebody else and I don't know. I just think it's an interesting thing in terms of asking for help. I don't know. And I think I also, I have my own trauma issues with the word help in that I think there's different kinds, but when I tie it into my marriage, Mm -hmm. like we have worked a lot through when sometimes like it'd be like, we'll just ask for help. I'm like, I'm not asking for, oh, I can go down a whole road as far as like <laughs> help assumes that it's my responsibility and da, 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 da. I mean, that's like a whole nother thing. So I have issues with that yeah. in performance and doing things uh-huh. and like, you know, 
Whereas what I watched my mom growing up, and I know she only had two kids and I have six, so you can't compare, but like we compare, we're humans. We, You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's uh-huh. just, it's all a bit of a mess for me. So well, I love you. I've gotten better, but it's still yeah. a really difficult thing for me. Yeah. I think that motherhood is inherently hard, which is <laughs> if you haven't heard the last episode, go back there. And I think it's okay to admit that it's hard. Yeah. And I think that at some point you need to just figure out what you can do and what you can't do. And some of us, myself very much included, I know if we talk about the trauma stuff and running is like, I've worked myself into such a place where I always did the next thing. I think it probably filled this void of loneliness and how can I achieve the next thing? How I'm going to have the next kid. I'm going to build the bigger business. I'm going to do things and I'm going to run and I'm going to run from these feelings of, of loneliness and I'm going to run from this lack of connection in my life. And then at some point you run so fast and you run so far, you run so hard that you realize, holy crap, what have I done? And there's no way I survive my life right now without a significant amount of help. Like I, I, I do not get out of this life alive without help. But mm-hmm. I really hope that we can encourage people to ask for the help and to get to that point where they can they have that help in their lives before they get to the point that I'm at. Um, because it's it's not fun to be like consistently relying on it. And some of that is success and some of that is stuff that I would not trade for anything in this world. And of course I wouldn't trade the business or my kids or anything like that. But like help has to happen in my life, which is also very hard because when help falls apart or when help doesn't show up or things like that, it it all just kind of starts to spiral and it makes me realize how much truly is on my plate. Yeah. But I don't know. Agreed. So wow, that got really deep. Wow. Sorry guys. Okay, well let's just continue Welcome the to depth. Our friendship. Um I think this one ties in as well because this one for me, my needs are important is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. That's our third topic. That to me, just one way I can tie it in with asking help mm-hmm. is because, you know, sometimes it's like, well, maybe my mom can come over and I just really need to get out and walk. I just mm-hmm. something that I need, but in order for me to do something that I need, I need help Yeah, for in other ways. So it's just yeah. one way that I can kind of tie that in is where I struggled. Yeah. Um, I think you made such a good point when you talked about your body, though. I think that motherhood, when that baby first comes out, there's scientific proof and studies that happen where you are not important and mm-hmm. your brain starts to forget about you and what you need. Yep. And I think that it's done that way for a reason. And I think we respect the biology, the biology a little bit there. Right. But I think at some point it needs to shift because what happens if it doesn't shift is that we turn into a really, really dark, terrible place where right. I know you have firsthand experience in that kind of the hamster wheel just keeps turning day after day and you can't seem to get to the point where your needs matter again. Um, And I think that that's just motherhood in the United States. I think when society tells you, you don't matter society says, Hey, you know what? You don't get paid leave or Hey, you don't get Mm -hmm. lactation support or Hey, you know, their therapy is such and such amount of money that you don't have when society is telling you that you don't matter. I think it's very easy to tell yourself you don't matter and your needs don't matter. Agreed. But how do you slowly, I think you can slowly build that as a somewhat healthier person who is aware, but when you're so much in Mm -hmm. those, the trenches and you're so far gone from 
that focus on yourself? Like, how do you, you know, slowly build that? How do you slowly implement little things for you? Yeah. It's hard. It's really, really hard. hard. I think it starts with connection. I think it starts with having other people in your life that tell you that you matter and that your needs matter. Because I think sometimes that inner voice, a lot of us, especially by the time we get to motherhood, it's been, I don't know, silenced a bit, quieted a bit, that whole like, I matter, my needs matter. And it's really interesting because when you meet somebody in motherhood who truly knows that their needs matter, it's like meeting somebody who's like dressed in hot pink with like, you know, mm-hmm. a running running shoes on who's doing jumping jacks in front of you because it is so atypical to see. Right. Like when I see somebody either in the Latch Mama community or out and about or here that is just very protective of their time and their space and their self-care. And it's almost like as a motherhood community, we can easily look at that and say, well, your kids don't matter to you or whatever. And we get judgy on the other yep. side of it. Um but it's a really cool, beautiful thing. And I always wonder how they got there. Like, I always yes. wonder if they, like, hit bottom first or if they did the, if they yes. did the work on themselves prior to motherhood or or how that whole thing works. Give me those steps. Yeah, my, <laughs> my, my sister-in-law is actually really like that. And for a long time, I looked at her and I was like, I don't understand. I don't get it. Then I started doing the work on myself. And I think it might just be just the way that she was, she was raised and um, – you know, it's just, it's, it's this very much like her needs matter and her husband's needs matter. And they're going to, they're going to do what they need to do to be good parents. And it's fascinating to me. I think a lot of it goes back to learning yourself again after you become a mother. Um, because I don't think maybe some of the same things that made you happy or your same needs are Mm -hmm. there. But I think learning yourself also comes with such trial and error and it comes from time and journaling and reading and trying different things and learning who you are now and what matters to you. And I think it's it's a road, you know, so I think that asking for help and learning who you are and your needs matter, I think they're all kind of of connected there. You know, because you're not going to know. I mean, you have the basic needs for sure. But your other needs, I think, might take a little while to figure out after you become a mom again. You know, Agreed. And I think there's a bit of maybe not necessarily grieving, but really a very different person Mm -hmm. after a child. And and I think it continues to change. Like Mm -hmm. I look back and I'm such a different person from after that first child Mm -hmm. versus now. Like really, really different. And I think your needs constantly change in there. And just accepting. I mean, that's just what motherhood is in general. Yeah. I swear like one day to the next is can be completely different. Yeah. Um, but they matter and your voice matters. And yeah. I think that that's something that our brain tells us immediately after we have that baby that maybe they don't. And that's mm-hmm. okay because that baby needs so much from us. Mm-hmm. But I really think what we need to focus on is as that baby grows, remembering that we still do matter. Um and that our worth matters. Yeah. And that we're worthy. All that jazz. Agreed. All right, guys. So like the podcast. Subscribe. Sh- subscribe to the podcast, which I think is the same thing as liking uh-huh. the podcast. <laughs> um, myself, close, not podcasts. Um, and then you need to go share it. Um, tag us. Um, and then send us an email at podcast at latchmama.com. Um, and we will try to get a blanket out to you. Thanks, guys. Yeah.